Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Okay, everybody, I'm not going to sugarcoat this one. That was tough, and I think it would be much easier to kind of mine this game for what went well, because some things did go well. Some things did go right for the Raptors, but the fact that Scotty Barnes left this game with a sprained ankle after just terrible luck, Joel Embiid is spinning into the lane. He's coming over for the dig, and Joel Embiid steps on his ankle. Just a complete accident, and... Scotty goes down, terrible luck, and a sprained ankle. And Scotty was one of the, if not the best player for the Raptors at the point that he exited this game. Now, other guys received a lot of attention. Most of the defensive scheme was elsewhere, but Scotty was doing such a tremendous job of punching the 76ers where they didn't care to pay attention. And the 15 points, 10 boards, 8 assists, he was tremendous. It's, man... That is that is super disheartening. That is a really that's demoralizing. And I, I hope it's a light sprain. I don't know what his situation will be coming back into this series, but he was doing so well. Scotty was really playing just phenomenal basketball, good decision making, a nice, nice touch on the finishes, on a little jump shot against drop defense, even the one time. Pretty good defensive decisions as well. He's at the point of attack most of the time, and while he did give up some some driving lanes and all that kind of stuff, the Raptors fell victim in this game largely to, you know, imperfect defense, of course, but the 76ers, honestly, they just shot really well, and the Raptors weren't able to lock down their own defensive rebounds, basically. And believe it or not, this was the whole game. This is exactly where the Raptors started to falter and they give up 10 offensive rebounds and they gave up five in the first five minutes. And they had a chance to give the 76ers this first punch to, to overload on Embiid and see what happens and to make sure that they score on one side and that they get to set their defense and that the 76ers have to play their pace and kind of play, you know, in, in transition, maybe hurry up their own offense because they want to catch up with the Raptors. But what happened instead is the 76ers got to go through a couple misses, eat those extra possessions, and keep it moving. And that was a super big deal because it meant that the 76ers got to build a lead. They got to be in a position where 
they get to be a little bit more patient with how they're dealing with the Raptors defense because if the 76ers who are missing shots early, they're going to feel that pressure if the Raptors run out to that lead, if the Raptors don't surrender those second chances. And maybe Embiid, it's this compounding successes and compounding errors thing. And that's where this game starts is compounding errors and compounding successes. Successes for the 76ers, errors for the Raptors. And what we saw in the games during the regular season, and it's not a one-to-one comparison, but what we saw is the Raptors forcing Embiid to take bad shots because Embiid lost a little bit of faith in his teammates. But with the extra possessions, Embiid got to be a little bit more patient, got to keep putting the ball in the hands of his teammates, and eventually they started hitting. And then when they started hitting, they basically didn't stop. Tyrese Maxey is a guy I laid out in every preview, every single place I talked about it, wrote about it, did a video about it. I said, this guy is trouble. He, against the Raptors rotating defense, could just gum everything up, like completely destroy rotation. 14 for 21 from the floor, 38 points. Tobias Harris giving you 3 of 5 from downtown, 9 of 14 from the floor. That's really, really tough. The 22 and 14 from Harden, the Raptors can win a game with that happening. The 4 of 7 from 3 is harder to stomach. But the, the 22 and 14 from Harden is totally something that you can live with. That's fine. Embiid at 19, 15, and 4, also something you can live with. But everything else, it is not tenable. This was worst-case scenario for the Raptors because not only does their scramble defense allow a lot of strong side looks for the 76ers, these passes aren't even being made to the weak side, and they have the ball is in the air. That length allows them to catch up, close out, and all that kind of stuff. But some strong side actions where they're maybe sinking a bit too low on Embiid at some point in the game. Maybe you try and say, okay, he's the scorer now. You give different looks. You make sure you make, mix it up. How that would have turned out, who knows? But the Raptors giving up good looks. But also, in their attempts to catch up against rotation, losing some of their blockout responsibilities and giving those extra possessions to the 76ers, that's the tough thing. And then by the time the Raptors were already in the hole, this is the compounding errors thing. It's not that it's errors. It's just that, well, Gary Trent Jr. giving you nine points on two for 11 shooting is really, really tough. Fred Van Vliet went seven of 12. That's perfectly acceptable. But the the six assists is tough tough to stomach because of how many screening actions he got, how many times the 76ers got to play. If If it's Embiid, it's drop. And he didn't properly punish drop defense in this one if it's another combination of the pick and roll they're going to switch or they're going to blitz and he wasn't able to turn the corner really he wasn't able to take that aggressive defense and turn it into really good looks for his teammates and you might remember if you look at the other side of the floor what is the exact thing that's happening whether it's Harden whether it's Embiid or whether it's Maxi when the Raptors overload if they blitz if they switch there's something that can be taken, well, less so with the switch, but there's something that can be taken advantage of. And Fred wasn't getting the ball very quick. And, you know, this he's he's injured, man. Fred is injured. I don't want to be too tough on him because he's injured. And he gave them a pretty good game, all things considered. But he just, he had so many possessions that were kind of fruitless. He wasn't creating really great advantages for his teammates. And that was really tough to see. And with Pascal Siakam, I've talked about this before, pack line defense, where everybody's hugging the paint and they're saying, make everybody else become a shooter. Gary Trent going two for 11. Fred Van Vliet not hitting a ton of catch and shoot threes in this one, not even getting up much volume at all. And that's a credit to the 76ers for their defense. 
running him off the line. But it's those possessions where you look at Fred, how much time on ball he spent. 12 shots, 6 assists. Even though he had 0 turnovers, it's just not enough output. And the same can be said for Siakam, who had definitely a better game than Fred. But 24-3-7, Siakam was between acceptable to good. And he was in there. He, he did not have a great game at all. And he definitely, he played fairly mistake-free basketball. And that's a credit to him. It's hard to do that, that in the playoffs. But the Raptors are limited right now. He needs to try and burst past mistake-free and into like, you have to shred this team. Game in, game out. That's what you have to do. That was that was the agreement. That was what they had to do to win in the regular season. Pascal had to go bananas. And earlier on in the game, I understand why he wasn't really in. You have, you have to get into the floor of the game. It is what it is. He's not taking some of the shots that he may have taken earlier in, like during the regular season series. Eventually, he did start taking them. And eventually, he did start making them in this one. But there was a time in this game where Siakam maybe was looking himself out of shots. But you can understand that too because he is facing significantly more defensive help than anybody else on the team. If he's looking at this defense where there's four sets of feet touching the paint and his primary is shading him towards that and saying, you're not going to get all the way to the bucket. You're going you're gonna to drive past me. Sure, you can beat me off the bounce. But Joel Embiid is going to step in. You're going to have to make a 12-foot nine foot push shot or whatever over him. And that's the tough thing too. And even with, when Embiid was switched on him or even just took him as a primary, Embiid is stepping out and Pascal's getting that edge, but the digs come and Pascal tries to spin away from the digs and he gets jumped. He picks up the dribble. The ball is dead. They have to reset. He can be better in those situations. Don't pick up that dribble. You just have to keep the ball alive and readjust and attack. These are improvements that he'll probably make for game two. But Siakam probably didn't push enough on enough possessions. And I, I certainly don't mean to say he's bad. Uh, I saw some commentary that was saying he was bad. I don't get that. I think that's devoid of context because you have to look at how he's being defended. But that was the case. Philly played him pretty damn well. And there wasn't enough support from the shooters in this one that made it so that when they overloaded, they paid dearly. The Raptors, on the other hand, they paid dearly for overloading on Embiid. And that wasn't just because Philly shot threes. It was because Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey put the ball on the floor and got to the basket as well. This is why the Raptors weren't able to keep pace in this game is because if there's a pass out, a kick out, Embiid kind of loitering in the paint and hanging out there, the Raptors, they didn't end a lot of possessions that way. Basically, only OG and Pascal were the only guy, and Scotty, of course, right? But Scotty was doing a lot of this, not even attacking these closeouts, but just the first play of the game that the Raptors scored on was an empty side post up for Scotty, where he had Danny Green. He got to a good shot. He missed it. He got his own offensive rebound. He went to the corner where Fred made a three. And that set the tone for Scotty the rest of this game as the guy who the 76ers said, we can't get away with it on Siakam. We aren't going to try and get away with it on, on Ananobi. We're going to try and get away with it on Scotty. And Scotty ate their lunch 15, 10, and 8. He was so good. But that's, it just, he's injured, man. It sucks because there's a lot that happened in this game that you can shrug off and say, okay, the Raptors might be able to find their way in this series. There's these correctable things that are happening. How they want to move and switch off, well, not switch off, rotate off of Tyrese Maxey in game two could very well change. That might be a huge adjustment they make.
They might even do well. They'll have to do a different starting lineup with Scotty's injury. But knowing that Scotty was so important to punishing the 76ers for overloading is what makes this so tough. Because not only is it from his story, the the human point of view, this is Scotty. You know, he's a lovable kid. He's just trying to play in the league. He's having a great game. He, there's so much fire and competitiveness in him. And he gets taken out of the game. That sucks, man. And then on top of that, he's at, you can see in this game, he's absolutely essential to punishing the 76ers for this, this type of defense they're playing. And they're overloading on the, on the one side with Siakam over there with Fred. Scotty was, he was making a killing. It's tough. Tough to see. OG, I thought, was very good. Like relative to expectations, OG absolutely was there. I, honestly, I think a great game. You would have liked more. You would have liked more three-point volume from him, some more catch and shoot opportunities. But that's that just really wasn't the case in this game. It's not like he was getting run way off the line. He he just the opportunities weren't really there for him. And that that is also you know it's connected to Siakam on the one hand because they're they're positioning Ananobi oftentimes in the weak side for Siakam. And a lot of times the 76ers are giving up that that strong side, that one pass away, they're going to send help. And so the guy on the strong side is going to have to make something happen. But so Siakam, when he's getting downhill and creating things, it's not really Ananobi who's the what, beneficiary or benefactor. I can't remember which one it is. Anyway, and Fred just not being able to get downhill, turn the defense, make the kickout offense work really well. And Ananobi didn't get that many opportunities. But I tell you this, his own stuff off the ball, the little post-ups, you know, getting an isolation at the back end of the shot clock against a weaker defender. He made he made stuff happen at a rate that I think everybody should be happy with. He did enough, honestly, that this performance for him, the Raptors can win with this performance. If he performs well above this, you're in you're in the clear as well. But yeah. And Gary, that's that's just tough. I Anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I've talked about Gary and feast or famine and being that type of player. And I, you know, I talked about it on a couple of the previews that I did that I don't think Tybal being, or sorry, Thibel being gone means that Gary is just going off. Gary takes tough shots, no matter who's defending him. And sometimes the best defender in the world defends Gary and he goes for 35 because he's just on a heater. Sometimes he goes two for 11 and doesn't hit a shot inside the arc. Even though he took quite a few, he tried to get downhill, get to that floater. And uh, yeah, and he was also bad on defense. Gary was bad on defense, gave up so much rim pressure, gave up so many blowbys. And I understand it's not easy to play defense on Tyrese Maxey. Fred also struggled, but you know, that's that's just what it was. Maxey was really tough when he was on him. Harden also when Gary was on Harden, it didn't go well. And so... That's where it was. And that's another aspect of this, too, with Scotty's injury. I thought Scotty was pretty good on Harden. Yes, the Raptors, they help. Harden had his assists. He made great passes. But for the most part, Harden trying to isolate on Scotty, it, it didn't go super well for him. Man, Scotty, I, I hope you get better, man. That really sucks. The bench, uh, Precious, I, Precious was pretty good defensively. There's, there's a lot of things to like about what Precious did. The switching... The backside rotation, tons of that. I, I, if you're looking for guys who led to what went wrong for the Raptors defensively, you, I would not look at Precious right away. There are some some gaffes he made on ball 
But this is the thing with Precious is that I know everybody wanted to respond and react like, don't ever put the ball on the floor, Precious. But he has to when if Van Vliet is only taking 12 shots, Scotty in this game only took six. Gary Trent's only taking 11. Like the shot, the Raptors have to at the end of a shot, at the end of the shot clock, they have to put a shot up and preferably a good one. And Precious is a guy who has ball skills, who they haven't they haven't developed at the rate that you would want yet. But in this game, when the 76ers are saying, if the ball comes to Precious, we're we're not equipped to overload. We're we're hardly even equipped to rotate over. The fact that Precious can put the ball on the floor and get to the rim, p- provide some pressure, it's important. It's valuable. And the Raptors, when they're limited like they are as far as creation, he just has to put the ball on the floor at some points. If if Fred is taking these pick and rolls and he's just getting flattened out to like the hash marks on the sideline and popping the ball over, somebody has to take that ball and punch gaps and make the Philly defense respond or pay for loading up. That's just how it is. And are you going to are you going to shoot threes? Maybe, but the Raptors volume in this game wasn't even that high. They took 33s. That's that's not like incredible volume or anything. And they shot 40% on them. They made 12. They were pretty discerning with their threes. But it's just about extending advantage, getting to those dangerous spots. And the Raptors, it felt like a lot of times were just kind of triggering the next handoff. And, and Precious, for all of his mistakes, defensively, he was one of the stronger players tonight. And even though he went three for nine from the floor, he's still, he's giving you a little bit extra pop where the Raptors... They didn't need a stand-and-shoot guy. Absolutely not. That wasn't the player they were missing because they weren't creating good enough shots. Like, the Philadelphia 76ers, Neong, by the time he came into the game, he went 2-for-3 from downtown tonight. And Danny Green went 0-for-5. These guys are staying, taking stand-and-shoot threes because the Raptors are overloading. That wasn't really the case. Like, a lot of Pascal's assists in this game are Pascal getting downhill and somebody mirroring his drive with a cut from the opposite side. And, and like, that's really good basketball, but that's not something that, you know, you can't just like plug in Utah and that's going to start happening and say, Utah, do what Precious does, but better. You know, it's just tough. And, and Chris, <sighs> tough game for Chris. The six personal fouls, fouling out, some less than ideal plays were made. It's just, uh, you know, a tough game. Fouls against the 76ers, taking any that don't contribute to stopping a basket, taking any that move them closer to the bonus when they have the f- like foul baiting from Harden and Embiid, that is really tough to stomach. Like Embiid went 5 of 15 tonight, but he went 9 of 11 for the line, and he got four offensive rebounds. Ideally, you want to be able to keep the fouls down, and the Raptors actually have in recent games against the 76ers. Again, regular season, but man, there were some runs made in this game. And the Raptors, you want to be able to say, like, hang your head on that, find out, like, go back to the film, find out what's working. I'll I'll have a breakdown video for Raptors Republic the morning of game two that it'll display some of these things that the Raptors can go back to and, and try and find. But, man, without Scotty, it's really a depressing idea because so Scotty was such a big part of this game plan, such a big part of what worked. And even the like the prospect of trying to dive into film and kind of concoct, okay, what, what happens next game? For me, even, it's just like, damn, Scotty isn't there. Yeah. And yeah, Thad sprained his thumb right away. Really tough. Kem, you know, whatever, 
I, I didn't hear any feedback on like the definitive what happened to his face, but he got he got a, an elbow to the face from Embiid when they were fighting for a rebound and uh, he had to go get checked. He came back into the game for a spell, but mostly a quiet game. It's it's very tough to survive in a defensive ecosystem that is allowing wide open shots and some of them by design. Right. But when you look at who's taking those shots and this was a big one of the big points I was making when I was talking about this game and previews is like Tyrese Maxey shoots 40 plus percent on pull up threes and 40 plus percent on catch and shoot threes. He's also tremendous attacking the rim. When the Raptors load up, if the ball funnels to Maxey, you lose. And by the time he started feeling it, because he wasn't the primary at the start of the game, his hot start wasn't at all rel- like related to how he operated on ball. But once he started feeling it, that touch was really nice. He's catching off the closeout. He's putting the ball on the ground, charging into the paint, just transporting from point to point. Then he kind of had it going. And then the 76ers gave him isolation, started running him in screening action. And once he had the momentum to get downhill, his speed, his touch, the decision-making isn't even like tremendous or anything like that. It's just, it's so linear for him because he's able to get to such dangerous spots on the floor. The decision-making is easy. So what the Raptors do next game, I'll be able to dive into it more so in the breakdown. Like, how do you try and stop this and make his decision-making tougher so he can't just go, okay, I take a three here. Okay, I take a layup here. Oh, this is a floater, you know? But the Raptors in this game, defensively, they just got punished for everything that they don't want to get punished for. And offensively, they, they lost the offensive rebounding battle and they didn't get any turnovers. That is a huge deal. The Raptors... Like, their defense was not good in this game. The 76ers only finished with three turnovers. Lewis Zassman correctly identified on Twitter that, you know, it's those weird nebulous, like, blocks slash steals where it counts as a field goal attempt, even though for everybody watching, you're like, oh, that's a turnover, probably. But, you know, as it is, James Harden goes 6 of 17 from the field, but he has a 14 to 1 assist ratio. That's pretty gnarly decision-making. Pretty good. But anyway... Yeah, the Raptors they didn't they didn't cause turnovers at all. They didn't they didn't rebound well on the offensive end and they only had 7. And the 76ers who were a really bad offensive rebounding team this season went and beat them at their own game. That is that's the tough part because the Raptors had to know that they are going to give up some looks. That's baked into the defensive ethos. They're going to give up some looks. But they haven't been calculating that they're going to lose the possession battle this year. That's something they think they're going to win. So even if they shoot worse from the floor and in this game, as a team, it wasn't so bad. 49% from the floor, 40% from three, 83% from the line. It's just that they didn't get enough possessions. And also, you know, they, they, they made less threes. Making less threes is a big deal. And and doing it and having less possessions is also a big deal. And free throws, you know, 29 free throws made for uh, the 76ers. They won that disparity by, uh, they made 10 more free throws. They took 11 more. And I, I don't really care about the refing in this game. The Raptors had so many mistakes elsewhere. And Scotty's injuries just at the front of my mind. Like, tough, man. It's, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it in the breakdown that I end up doing like what they can do. And well, I've already talked about some of the things they can do in this one, but 
this game, man, the Raptors, it, it was they were at they were at arm's reach the whole game. The 76ers didn't really let them get back into it. Even and they didn't win the first stretch without Embiid. And it that's probably because they happened to sit Siakam during that same stretch. And Scotty, I think, had an admirable, did an admirable job in that in that time, but the Raptors just didn't win the things that they had to win in this game. You have to dominate the Embiidless minutes. That is how you beat the 76ers every time. That was the case when the Raptors won the championship. And you have to grab those offensive rebounds. You cannot be the Toronto Raptors of this season and not grab offensive rebounds. You, you simply can't. And you have to defend better. That's, that's what it is. That's where we currently stand. Reggie Evans Award, that's Scotty Barnes. I he he was fantastic, man. I know I've talked about him a bunch in this podcast already, but he deserves to be talked about. He was he was really really great, and it was hustle plays, and it was smart plays, and it was being being clever with the ball and all these different things. It was just like this is a guy who's so ready for the stage that he missed his first shot, but then he found Fred for that three, and then he got that that little post up on Maxi. And where a lot of guys might have bailed out and tried to like hit a little pop shot because Embiid was there. Scotty decided to try it. He was like, Embiid is there. Maybe he won't rotate. And even if he does, I'm going up for it. And he just dunked a drop step dunk right in the lane. And sure, Embiid didn't go up for it. But Scotty went up against Embiid a few times tonight and got elbowed right in the face. Well, sorry, not elbowed. Wristed, handed right in the face on one of them. It was a flagrant foul. It ended up being on, on Embiid too. And so... That fearlessness, that willingness to work, and grabbed important rebounds too. He he was active, man. Reggie Evans Award goes to him for sure. Um, top quick reaction comment is from Swavy04. Quote, we need to humble them game two, end quote. Yeah, man. That's I would be so into that. Uh, because I saw a lot of things that were correctable in this game. I th- saw a lot of things that can go better in this game. But I, I just really have to sit down with this game again, write my article, do my breakdown and stuff like that, and kind of start searching for what works and also the things that work without Scotty involved because I think it would be, man, it would be really tough to imagine him coming back, it, like at least this close. I don't know about the series, but for game two, I don't know. But I'm I'm glad you have the optimism, man. That's what sports is about, hoping that's that's all sports is about, really. It's just hoping. It's one of the best things about it. So, Swavy, thanks for for writing in. Listener, thanks for listening in. Uh, yeah, stay tuned. Raptors Republic, there's going to be a ton, like a ton of content coming out. Myself and Lewis Zatzman will have stuff after every game, written pieces, breakdowns, all that kind of stuff. So, And, and everybody else will be pitching in as well. Full staff is in on it. Uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Whether you got into it in the morning or at night, have a blessed day. And goodbye.